The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, in conversation with James Bullard, the former St. Louis Fed president, our Michael McKee. Well, thank you all very much. And we'd like to thank Jim Bullard for coming in and joining us today. I would have called you Mr. President, but now, what do we call you? Dean Bullard, I guess. You can call me Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jim is the uh, dean of the Daniels School of Business now at Purdue University. And uh, we thank you for joining us today. Uh, I want to start with um, the dot plot. I think we have a a picture of the dot plot that uh, we can uh, put up. Uh, For those of you on radio, you can look up the the dot plot on the uh, Fed's website. Website. But basically, uh, in June, the last time we put out a forecast, there was one lonely dot way at the top saying six and a quarter percent. Um, you left. That dot's gone. Uh, <laughs> how would you have voted uh, if you were if you were there yesterday? Uh, I thought this was a pretty good decision on the part of the uh, Fed here. The um, higher for longer message, I think, is consistent with. Uh, the rhetoric we've been hearing from the committee. Uh, earlier this year, there was widespread prediction that there would be a recession and in the second half of 2023. That recession isn't materializing. So to the extent you thought that a, a recession would produce extra downward pressure on inflation, uh, that had to be taken back out. So you got you ended up with a higher for longer message here. I think that makes a lot of sense. So we don't need higher rates at this point? Well, the committee left the, uh, the additional rate hike this year in the dot plot. Um, I think that may be a good thing to do um, as insurance to make sure that core inflation especially continues to come down at an appropriate pace so that the committee can get back to 2% inflation in a reasonable time frame. Um, I think the risks are building that uh, inflation could hang up at a higher level or even go higher uh, based on the idea of a reacceleration in the U.S. economy. Uh, so you have to take account of that probability uh, when you're making policy. I think the committee has done that here. Well, one of the interesting questions is about the forecast. Uh, John was just talking about it. Uh, you've got uh, the Fed saying their growth forecast has doubled, their unemployment forecast has been cut significantly, and yet they're also predicting that PCE core inflation is going to go down. Uh, how does that work? Well, I think you will get disinflation uh, with, uh, you know, that's the base case. The question is, how fast will that disinflation occur? Uh, if it's a very slow disinflation, you're going to want to keep uh, policy rate higher in order to put more pressure on so you get back to 2% sooner. And there's a little bit of probability that inflation would just stall out c- uh, completely at the current levels, which would be unacceptable. Um, it's, you know, core inflation has a handle, depending on how you measure it, you know, in the four uh, range is still double or more than double the, uh, the, the Fed's target. So you've got a long ways to go here. And I think you want insurance on the side of making sure that you get back to 2% inflation. On the real side of the economy, things look pretty good. Uh, you've got 
some reacceleration in the third quarter here. Uh, it looks like we've talked about it before, and unemployment still with the three-handle looking very good. Jay Powell wouldn't say the words, but it looks like the forecast is saying soft landing. Yeah, I think the prospects for soft landing are very good. Um, but you haven't landed until you get inflation back to 2%, so you're only partway through this process, uh, but prospects are looking good. If that's the case, then uh, the question becomes higher for longer. How much longer? Uh, the Fed took away 50 basis points of cuts from their <clears throat> forecast for next year, but how long do you think you need to lean against inflation to have an effect? Well, there'll be data dependent on that, but I think this idea that you'd have 5% uh, policy rate or higher uh, over the next uh, 18 months or so, uh, I think that's significant and shows you resolve uh, on the part of uh, Chair Powell and the rest of the committee to get inflation lower. So uh, so that's quite a while. I think once you get out beyond that, uh, the end of 24, you get into 2025, nobody knows at this point. Well, that raises the question of lags uh, and how long the lags might be if it takes 18 months to bring it down. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't liked the long and variable lags uh, story for the modern era as much. I think a lot of the transmission of monetary policy occurs pretty rapidly through financial markets in a way that was not the case in the 1960s and 50s that when uh, Friedman was talking about long and variable lags. So I think, um, uh, I think the economy has changed. Information moves much faster. Decisions are made much faster than they would have been. Uh, and the world's more forward-looking than they would have been in, uh, in the 60s and 50s. So, um, so I think uh, uh, you should look for impact today uh, or more impact today than you would have in that earlier era. And so uh, by keeping the policy rate high right now, I think you can get disinflation to happen now. It's not really so much uh, two years from now. Well, what kind of economy will we have two years from now? We get the pandemic distortions in the economy out. Supply and demand maybe come back into better balance. But do we have a, a new economy? Do we have the, an old economy? Where do you think neutral is? To, uh, are we going back into a, a rate uh, regime that is higher than we were used to in the 2000s? Yeah, I think, uh, and we've talked about it before, but one of the um, historical examples that you want to look at here is the 1994 uh, tightening cycle, which was not as big as this one, but um, but set up the U.S. economy for a stellar second half of the 1990s, one of the best periods in U.S. macroeconomic history. So if you can get inflation to continue to come down here with a pretty strong Economy, you could set the economy up for a productivity boom and a, a very strong period in the uh, 2020s here. So uh, hopefully that, that's what will happen. I think we're only partway through that process at this point. But if you really do get a soft landing, then you could look at a period of uh, uh, good growth, uh, strong labor markets, high productivity growth. So um, I'm not saying that you know that's definitely going to happen, but that's certainly one of the possibilities. What happens, uh, we'll have uh, only about one question left here, but uh, what happens with the labor market going forward? Uh, are we going to see uh, ongoing wage pressures because there just aren't enough people to fill the jobs out there? 
Yeah, I think the labor supply is somewhat diminished from where it would have been uh, uh, pre-pandemic or earlier. Um, I think you have older workers less willing to come back into the workforce, so they're kind of a marginal uh, worker type, uh, and they're not coming in as much. Their nest eggs are pretty... Uh, pretty robust here with high housing prices and relatively high equity prices. Um, so uh, I also think uh, uh, daycare has been uh, kind of decimated by the pandemic. So this has changed uh, arrangements for parents with young children. Yeah. And so you just have a subdued labor supply compared to what you would have had uh, pre-pandemic. And this is leading to... Uh, uh, continued tightness in the labor market. Well, we thank you for coming in. We're going to send you back now to Purdue to graduate some more engineers so Excellent. we can fill those empty labor yeah. slots. Jim yeah. Bullard, thank you. thank you for joining us today. We'll send it back to you in London. Hey, Mike, can you just squeeze one extra question in? Can you ask Jim if there's no value in the forecast? Why are they still producing them after that performance from Chairman Powell yesterday? Can you ask him quickly, Mike? Sure. John is asking, if there's no value in the forecast, then why do they keep producing them? <laughs> well, it's what we do. Um, I think, uh, you know, forecasts are useful, but only up to a point. There's a certain amount of ambient noise in the economy. You can't get away from that. Uh, but So, you you know, uh, you can't live with them and you can't live without them, I guess is the way you would say that. All right. Thank you very much, John. I hope that answers your question. Thanks, Mike. Just about. Mike, appreciate it, buddy. Fantastic work. Just one of the best, as always. And brilliant performance in the news conference from Mike McKee yesterday as well. Sitting down with the former St. Louis Fed president, Jim Bullard. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.